What is going on, baby? Nate Kennedy, the new money podcast, episode 21. Why aren't we teaching personal finance in school with Miss Be Helpful, aka Yanelli Espanol? How y'all doing, man? Hope you guys are having a good week. Beautiful day outside. I'm just going to make that a staple to the episode, me to comment on the weather. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really quick, I would really appreciate you guys. If you do mess with the show and you use Apple Podcasts, leave me a little bit of a review there. Really, really helps out. Today, I'm sharing my interview with Yanelli where we talked a ton about why personal finance isn't talked in school. She actually gave some recommendations to 20-somethings, how to think about money, her sort of story with that, what's cool and what's not and what seems cool and what's not which is really cool. I, I love chatting with her about that. But before we get to that, I do want to say a few things about current events. There's a lot of terrible things that happened in the past little bit. And there's also a ton of terrible things that have happened for hundreds of years. You guys probably don't know this because I never talk about race or anything like that. And I, and I don't plan on it. My race should have nothing to do with this podcast specifically. So I'm mixed, biracial, whatever you want to call it. You know, my mom's black and my dad's white. And when I saw that I've never felt so sick to my stomach, I've never, I've never seen anything like it in my life, right? And I, and I know a lot of you guys haven't either. And as terrible as everything has been with that, as terrible as you know, the violence down south in the United States with, with a lot of the protests, as, as, as bad as a lot of things might seem, I think that there is a ton of positive things that are going on and that are going to dramatically change how we live moving forward. I think things are going to be different. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not even close. But things are going to be different. And... Again, like it doesn't matter how bad it gets in life, like there's always positives to look at. And I really think some positive things are on the horizon. And I've already seen a lot of positive things come from this, even though it is a very terrible thing. This whole thing has drastically changed how I feel about politics and race and expressing your opinion and activism. It's just made me really self reflect on that. So, I also was chatting, and I'm rambling. I'll get to the episode soon. Don't worry. But I was actually talking to a few buddies, and a lot of a lot of what we need to do is is self reflect, right? Of course, it's great to share some relevant content, um, post, show solidarity. I'm all for that, absolutely. But we really need to self reflect, and the the biggest change in our individual lives needs to be how how we act day to day, right? Educating ourselves. You know, people have shared this message, but I'm a big proponent in it. Really self-reflecting, understanding what you know, what you don't, and, you know, eradicating ignorance. That's that's the biggest thing that we can do to move forward in a positive direction. And so I love y'all. I know all you guys are, if you haven't already done that, you're going to do that. You didn't need me to tell you that, but... I just had to say a little something, nothing crazy. You know, I, I do see a lot of good, positive things that are happening. I hope they continue to the future. I'm really hoping that this thing has changed everything forever because I really think it has. Okay, now that I've got to say my piece, let's switch gears. Let's just dive on into the interview that I did with Miss B. Helpful. Money, money, money. 
Yanelli, how's it going? How's it going, man? Everything's good over here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's so good to have you on. Really excited to chat. Firstly, just kind of tell the people about a little bit about your background, where you went to school, and sort of how you found yourself uh, where you are today. Yeah, um, cool. So um, my name is Yanelli uh, Espinal. I grew up in New York City. My parents are Dominican immigrants. So uh, yeah, we, I grew up in a low-income household. Uh, there were a lot of kids in my house, so my parents had nine children. And um, yeah, growing up in New York City on a low income with a lot of kids in one house, it's it's rough. It was rough, and right. I always was sort of like aware that we didn't have a lot of money as I got a little older, especially like in high school when I couldn't get like name brand things. But mm. uh, but my but my parents were very strict with me in terms of school, so. Yeah, that was one thing I always focused on, making sure I got A plus, 90. Every time I, like, I didn't want to come home with 80s, I would right. cry. If I got an 88 or 89, I would cry. Like, I would yeah. be like, I can't believe I didn't get a 90 or higher. Oh, my God. You know, yeah, I, some, kid would, some kids will call me nerdy or whatever, but I'll tell you, it paid off because I ended up getting a full scholarship to Brown University wow. um, in, in Rhode Island. So I left New York City for the first time when I was 17 or 18 to go off to college and graduated four years later with my bachelor's and became a classroom teacher. Right. And I uh, got my master's while I was teaching. Everything was great, or so I thought. Um, but at that time, mm -hmm. you know, I was basically making maybe forty, fifty thousand dollars and living paycheck to paycheck. I had a lot of credit card debt, I had about twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt from college and after college life. Yeah, man, I just kind of had to figure it out. Like I was like, I can't keep living in this trap. Like I just felt like there's no way that I could end up in the same cycle as my parents. It doesn't make sense. Like right. I got a degree. They couldn't go to college. I, you know, was born and raised in this country. They came from the Dominican. Like how how could it be possible that I'm stuck in these bad money habits? Um and so that's when I, I started to look up online. Like how do I get out of credit card debt? How do mm -hmm. I uh you know get save money save money and get out of debt? And um I taught myself all the things you talk about on your podcast, everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, about money, about saving, about paying off debt as fast as you can, being aggressive. And, um, and then I started investing. And so I started posting on YouTube videos about my journey. And that's how I sort of grew, grew my YouTube following and my Instagram following just based on personal finance content that I've been posting for like about three or four years now. So what drew you to YouTube? I mean, you know, you were getting a handle on things. Was it sort of an evolution where you're like, damn, like, ain't nobody out here talking about this stuff. Like, I, if, if nobody's going to talk about it, I'm going to yeah. talk about it. Like, what, what was it for you? It was a little bit of that. Like, you know what it is? When I was researching myself for money stuff, like, especially credit cards, everybody that I found talking in a video or, or who wrote articles or books about this stuff, they were all old white guys. And I was real very talk. frustrated by that. Real Yo, talk. it's so frustrating <laughs> because I don't talk. mind. Like, <laughs> honestly, I don't mind that they're dudes. It's fine. Right. If you're a dude and you know what you're talking about, it's fine. But the combination of being old, a man, and white means that the information tends to be really boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was just like, yeah, man, it was hard for me to um to get into it. Like I was like, yo, mm. this is boring. But I know mm. it's I need it. So I kind of saw it in my mind like, all right, if this was a class I was taking in school, I would do everything I could to get a 90, just like I always did. So right. let me just let me just pretend it's a boring professor and do what I got to do to figure it out. That's what I did. And um and then I I kind of realized like, yo, this information is actually not that boring. It's actually really interesting and a lot of people in my community, probably wish they had it because I wish I had it. But because mm. it's 
it's framed in a boring way. We don't we don't go to access it or to go look, to go look for it or to go find it. So let me post um, videos on YouTube in a way that I don't see, which is fresh, young, just real talk. Like yeah, um, yeah. and you know, and then I, I saw that there was a need for that, so that's why I went to YouTube. Also, I feel like my uh, demographic that I was trying to target was was like teenagers and college kids and young mm. professionals. And in my own community, personally speaking, from my experience, I would look around and see that the younger, like the teenagers and like my cousins, my nieces and nephews, like my little brother, they weren't reading blogs and, mm. and reading books, like as much as I wanted to tell them like, hey, read this book, it's really good. Like they mm. wouldn't, they wouldn't mm -hmm. because they found it boring. But what they were doing was watching YouTube videos and swiping on Instagram. So I knew that I had right. to kind of find a, a different source of, of giving that information. Right, right, absolutely, and you know what? That's that's literally the exact same reason why I'm doing this podcast and every Instagram, all that stuff is just like there's so much great content out there, but the medium that it's sort of going through, it, it's just like I could sit there and listen to like all of it and just be yeah. fascinated, right? Like as I'm yep. sure you, you you alluded to, but I, I just it's just not realistic to be like, hey, check out this 20 minute Yale professor talk about um, why index <laughs> funds you know, beat out whatever stocks, pool, exactly. hedge fund, whatever, right? And I'm sitting there like, oh, this is fantastic. And then, and I feel like be going through school and just like, like seeing it firsthand and like, I'm by no means like an expert or even a certified financial planner or anything like that. This is just right. my, ho my hobby. And I just think that there's a few principles that if, you know, is, is put in their language, right? Like mm -hmm. I try to speak their language. I'm not trying to talk down to you. I'm trying to just be like, yo, like, like if I, I literally do this podcast as if I'm having a beer and and the, we're just like right. chatting, you know what I mean? Exactly. And just like, how have you found over your your YouTube career, your social media? How has that like landed and how has that evolved? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like at first because it's hard to post content no matter what. Like when you put yourself out there like that, it's scary. Like you don't know what people are going to, you know, uh, roast you for it. Right. They're gonna how they're gonna judge you. They're gonna whatever, right? They might say. And as much as I, now that I'm 30 years old, I don't give a crap what people say about me. I don't care what they think about me. But yeah. when I was 24, 23, 24, 25 years old, even, I cared a lot about what people said right. about me. People's sure. opinions matter to me. And I wish younger people didn't care. I mm. wish I could go back to like being 21, 22 and not give a crap about what people thought about me because mm. that's the way that you live for yourself. But um, at the time I cared. And so what I was doing was I was thinking about as a teacher and my, the teachers that worked in my building and the students, their parents. And I'm like, Oh my God, what if they find my, my stuff online? Like mm. they're going to, they're going to hear me like cursing or they're going to see what I'm talking about. Like, I don't want to. So I let that get to me so much. Mm. So my videos were very like, it felt like a, a teacher. Like I was, do, I was being my teacher personality like I was like okay today I'm going to teach you guys about credit cards and these are the five things that you need to know right, and right. like it was just very much like that as I've gotten a little older and I also have realized that that's just not the kind of content I like to watch so why would I put that content out there mm. I started to loosen up a little bit just be more myself take the approach that you take with your podcast where it's like people just want to be like eavesdropping on your conversation they don't yeah. want to see you do a presentation like yeah. this is not a TED talk this is not a <laughs> Nobody's trying. If they want that, they're going to yeah. go to that. But they didn't go to that. So I, I definitely feel like I've had a little bit of an evolution with letting loose a little bit and being a little more open and honest and real about, you know, just pulling the curtain back and showing people how I live. How did I grow, grow my net worth? How did I save all this money? How did I pay off my credit card debt? Sure. And, but in a way that allows them to see that 
it's possible for them too. Because if I could do it and I'm a regular, regular girl from Brooklyn with not a lot of money, then you could also do it too. Yeah, no, that's, and I love that. And it's, it's the very thing. And as you started to, you know, kind of loosen up, find your own groove, did you find that mm -hmm. as that happened, you started to take off more? Yes, I definitely, especially with Instagram, I can tell you, YouTube has always been steadily growing, steadily growing, mm -hmm. because I think what happens is when people go to YouTube and they type something in, it's usually how to do something like YouTube is very right. much the how to platform, you know, your battery right. and your camera is not working. You YouTube how to fix my camera battery for Canon EOS. Like this is what people go to YouTube for, how to fix things, how to learn things. And mm -hmm. so when I was posting those videos that were very much like teacher videos, it works. It works on YouTube because people go online. They're like how to fix my credit. And then they find a video of me being like, these are the five steps you must take. And so <laughs> It was like perfect for YouTube. Right. And I think that's why my audience grew naturally. I never paid for ads. I never did sponsorships, none of that. It was just natural growth. And it's got like over 41, 42K uh, subs on my channel in a that's couple awesome. years. And I do the bare minimum. I just post one video a week and I just, you know, I don't do a, a ton of, of ads. I don't, do, I don't do any ads. I don't do any, any of that stuff. I just kind of put it out there and the audience came. Mm -hmm. But on Instagram, I recently started to be more serious about it, like maybe a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And I could not grow my freaking audience. So I'm like, <laughs> yo, what's up? Like YouTube was easy for me, yeah, but yeah. Instagram, but it's because it's a different beast. You don't see people go on Instagram and type how to fix my credit. People mm. go on Instagram to be entertained. People go on Instagram to, to see an aspirational pictures of how they want to live. Like this is a different yeah. platform with a different purpose for people. And it has different material on it. So I had to learn like, all right, I got to figure out Instagram. And when I learned like, okay, people just want to see you be real. People just want to see funny, authentic, entertaining, informational content. I mm. noticed that that was working and it helped me grow my, my Instagram. And this couple of months ago, I hit 10K. So I think that it helped me get to that point just because I was being more of myself and more authentic. For sure. For sure. So with YouTube is social media grind. Is it, is that your business? Is that your full-time thing? How long did it take to, transition to that if, if that's the case yeah so it's not the case um it was for a very short period of time for about mm -hmm. four or five months um and so so here so basically the thing is i could want anybody could 100 take a, a youtube channel with forty thousand subscribers and make it their full-time thing you could totally mm -hmm. do that because um every month just from the ads that you that you get money through google through youtube um adsense mm -hmm. that alone i can make about a thousand dollars a month that's right. without doing any additional work just i post the video and when people click it and people view it and you know there's ads on it overlays that pop up that's youtube doing that that mm. gets me paid that's that's right. easy money for me right but a thousand dollars a month alone is not enough so people what they do is they get sponsored posts they do partnerships collabs with companies in the financial sector that's tricky territory because I'm a financial educator first and foremost. I was a teacher mm -hmm. for many years. So I'm not out here trying to sell products and sell accounts and sell, mm -hmm. you know, like it mm -hmm. was like, it was weird for me because I started getting emails from companies being like, oh, if you tell people to open an account with us, we'll give you $50 for every, every person that opens an account. I'm like, ooh, this doesn't feel right. Like this feels <laughs> like, I don't know if this account is good. It doesn't like, sit right with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, wait, hold up. You want me to just tell people to open an account? I don't even have an account with you. What's that? Like, how does that make sense? <laughs> so I just quickly realized there was this conflict of interest with me wanting to be a source of unbiased educational content. 
mm. and being in the financial sector, which is all about making money. Yeah. So when when I, I kind of realized, okay, I have to make a decision here. And my decision was, I'm not going to put any sponsorships on my YouTube channel. I'm going to keep it educational, let it grow naturally the way it has and keep the little thousand dollars a month. That's good enough for me because I have a passion for financial education. So I mm. want to you know, continue working in that. So um, I quit my job for a little bit. I used to work at a nonprofit um, tutoring company and mm. I, uh, I left that job three, four, five months. I was traveling with my boyfriend. We were in Barcelona, came back to the city and was like, you know what? I want to do something with personal finance now, not just with teaching. So mm -hmm. then I took a job at uh, the company that I work at now, which is called Next Gen Personal Finance. And what I do in my job is I teach teachers how to teach personal finance in high school to high school students. So the kids have a class. It's called personal finance or uh, money management 101 or whatever the class is on their roster. They show up and the teacher has never learned about stocks or saving or budgeting or investing or credit yeah. himself. So how the yeah, heck yeah. is that teacher? Usually it's a social studies teacher or a math teacher. Mm -hmm. And so we, I will then train that teacher. Like, this is what you need to know. This is how credit works. And we give them the curriculum, the materials, everything they need. And the coolest thing about it is everything is free because it's nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So the teachers don't have to pay. The students don't have to pay. The school districts don't pay. The principals don't pay. It's all free. So I, it was basically like perfect for my ethos, my vibe of like mm -hmm. educating and not just right. trying to make money off people. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's what I do now. I do that full time plus YouTubing and I just started the podcast also recently. That's awesome. That's awesome. So do you find <laughs> with some of the teachers when they, they learn the content, they're like, damn, I should be doing this. Oh, 100 percent. That's yeah. like actually one of the biggest parts of my job that I take very seriously is that I feel like I'm not just helping the teachers teach the students. I'm yeah. helping to change their lives, too, because when I was Absolutely, a teacher, yeah. I didn't even know what my 403B was like. Right. I had no idea. So for, to teach them, it's like it, it's great because they get to take advantage of it and change their own lives, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's like mm -hmm. a double. I, it's a two for you help the kids. You help the teachers, too. That's and awesome. I would actually say it's a three for because the kids go home and teach their parents. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. that's such a weird thing too because some parents have an ego, right? Because they're the parents, um, mm -hmm. and so when they when they hear something that completely contradicts their you know everyday way of life, yeah. some some people can't handle that. Um, some right. people definitely can, and and those people thrive because they adapt, right? But sort of what you alluded to, the ethics of monetization, and that's one right. of the biggest things that I I don't like to see is um, these funnels and these courses and these people that are kind of getting pride on it. and not that there's anything wrong at all with good educational stuff for good prices whatever there's there's absolutely nothing That's wrong right. with that at all but like there, there i i've seen some shady stuff to, to say the mm -hmm. least and so i guess this is a question this is a selfish question what would you say to somebody who wants to ethically create a business around so um i think that's a great question. I think the important thing that I've learned is that people are willing to pay when they get something really positive from the experience, whether that is results in terms of like, they are going to take action steps based on what they learned, uh, whether it's like inspiration, like they're going to feel really good when they're done. And that helps them a lot. Whatever it is that they get, it has to have be a positive result for them. And so for me, I think there's a lot of ways to do that in the financial space. One thing is it's very hard for you to get motivated to change your money situation when, you, when you're in a bad financial spot. So mm. you just feel like, oh, I'm, do, I'm in this alone. Nobody understands. I got all this mm. debt. I'm never going to pay it. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so having a community 
is so freaking helpful. And so I think eventually down the line, when I do, if I ever, if and when I do ever decide to like go take my platform, what I've built and, and my audience and make it a, a thing that, you know, generates the only income that I, that I, not the only, but one of the main sources of income that I rely on, mm-hmm. I would focus on the community aspect. Of course, you know, courses are helpful, selling all the things, great, yes, but building it around community. Because mm-hmm. if you get online and you talk to a few people and you make friends with them, and then you come back a couple of days later for the second part of the course, and they're there and you're like oh my people yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. that is worth money mm-hmm. but when you when you go online you pay 350 dollars for a class a course and the videos suck and like it's great it's information but like you could find that on youtube for free yeah. like that is not value so i think you gotta do something that builds community that inspires that motivates that adds the value that you don't get just from these gimmicky like buy this course click this webinar and then you know and then you just never really hear from them again so Mm -hmm. i think the value add is in in how people feel when they're part of a community when they're chatting with each other when they get to talk to you one-on-one via zoom like all those added that's i think where the where my jam is going to be because that's just where the joy happens anyway like that's where the fun is that's dope. That's dope. Yeah. And I really, I like that connection. Like, I think that's, and you know what? I, I can't like part of, I'm, I'm kind of like, I need to know that this stuff's landing and I need to kind of be in it with them because yeah. I feel like I'm not doing my job if whatever that is, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not really defined right now, but like, I feel like if I just hand you a PDF and say like, hasta la vista, like, like right. that's, that's, first of all, it's, to be honest, it's not fulfilling for me. I don't know if that's going to land for you. I don't know if exactly. I'm going to be able to follow up. Right. I just kind of look at it and I'm like, ah, oh, I kind of want to get in there with them. And so yeah. maybe if I were to, to to start doing that down the line, like I'd probably do that sort of community building, things like that. Um, but that's, that's a fa- fantastic answer. So, you know, and I, I guess kind of segueing, why other than, you know, it, it, it's a little bit boring, but why do you think, you know, money that's so prevalent in, all of our lives, especially young adults, yes, with such a transitionary period. Why is it nobody's really talking about it? Like it's it's this sort of like taboo thing. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's disrespectful to chat about somebody else's money. Uh, you know, it's a deep sort of question, but I just kind of want to know your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think it's embedded throughout the society that we live in, like globally, mm-hmm. not just. It, I mean there are certain countries where I think it works um, a lot better to have conversations openly about money. But I do think still, uh, largely speaking, on a global scale, people just are not used to talking openly about money. Um, When you think about it, like, it's not talked about in school. And honestly, when you see what, like, when you make a list, or you think up a couple topics in your mind that are not okay to talk about with your family Mm. or with your friends that are kind of like, quote, unquote, taboo. Mm. I bet those subjects are not talked about in school or taught in school. Right. Like it's just, it's just not. Because everything that you talk about socially, like making friends, drama, friendships, social experiences, math, science, reading articles about whatever, all of that stuff you talk about openly in school with your classmates, with your teachers. It's, it's a, there's a whole class about economics, right? So global mm-hmm. economics, we talk about that openly. The market's up, mm-hmm. the market's down, great. But personal finances, you knowing what to do with your paycheck when you get it, Nah, that's not in the curriculum. Mm. So I think one of the reasons that's because it's not in the school systems largely, um, and neither is like sex education, health education. A lot of those classes are not in the curriculum, which is why sex is so taboo to talk about too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So we we think about it. School kind of creates this the first social atmosphere, and 
you know, your first experiences interacting with people socially in a quote unquote appropriate way outside of your home, school mm-hmm. is the first opportunity for most people to do that. And so when you're not talking about money in school, when you're not talking about sex in school, you kind of get older and realize like, oh, you're not supposed to talk about those things. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you go home and it's, cemented at home because at home your parents don't want to talk too much about money because either they don't want you to worry about it or because they are so frustrated and stressed that they don't want to talk about it so Mm -hmm. you know it's like it continues to the story continues to be told at home and in school that this is just off limits we don't talk about these things so i think that's probably the biggest reason and um the company that i work at now next gen one of the biggest things that we're trying to do is to make every single high school in the united states at least because that's where we're based to um to teach personal finance before you graduate high school and we're trying to make it a requirement so that means you cannot graduate high school if you didn't take that class about money management personal finance whatever the, the school wants to call it it has to cover the basic money topics that we need to know about, like saving, investing, checking, mm. banking, uh, budgeting, um, you know, insurance, taxes, all, all the basics. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, you know, to be a, a functioning member in society, I think, you know, we're doing people a disservice by not equipping them. Right. And just kind of being like, mm-hmm. there's this thing called a job. You make money, like figure it out on the go. Like it's, it's, that's right. there's, there's so much to it. And like, it can be second nature once you figure it out, but, it's definitely yeah. something that, you know, is, is overwhelming when you're first getting started. Right. And so why do you think that something that's such a, a prevalent issue isn't already a requirement in the United States specifically? So in our country, the biggest problem is bureaucracy. Okay. It is so frustrating because right now, education is very much a localized issue. The federal government does not necessarily make a ton of decisions about local public schools. Um, There is a small pot of money that the federal government puts aside for education. I think it's like 4% of the federal budget goes to Mm -hmm. education, which is disgraceful. (laughs) And and the rest of the money that schools need to operate comes from local property taxes. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem in the U.S. is that if you live in an expensive neighborhood with really high property taxes, the schools are really good. Great schools. Mm -hmm. They got chess. They got soccer team. They got the best teachers. And then when you go, when you grow up in a community like the one I grew up in, where the families are just trying to make it day to day, a lot of them are on government assistance. The schools are quote unquote bad, suffering, under-resourced, whatever you want to call it, right? The schools Mm -hmm. are struggling. And so that's the real problem is that when you have schools that are struggling and under-resourced, it's hard for them to get really good talent. And when they hire teachers who are, you know, not the quote unquote best teachers out there, those teachers are probably not equipped to teach personal finance because they don't know it themselves. And so what you see is this, this, this lack of equality in terms of like some schools have really great teachers and they're like, you know what we should teach? We should teach personal finance. I'll do the course. I'll teach Mm -hmm. it. Great. Now that school has it. Other schools, oh, we should teach personal finance. Anybody know about that stuff? No, 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 no. I don't know anything. Okay, oh, we can't teach it. (laughs) So it's really sad. So there's a lack of knowledge, a little bit of a bureaucracy problem. And um, and then the other thing is the space. So if you have a jam-packed schedule of classes, math, Mm -hmm. science, reading, writing, you an elective, gym, whatever, and where where are you gonna fit personal finance as another class on that schedule? Right. So there's this whole movement saying, well, we don't need to to make room for it. We don't need to erase anything else. What we need to do is switch what's being taught. Don't like try to add another class to your schedule. Remove some of the useless information that (laughs) students are learning and replace it with this critical information. So, 
You know, I think about sitting in high school, taking econ class. I'm like, what the hell am I use supply and demand for? I mean, this yeah. is great information in theory, but is it going to help yeah. me when I get my first job? No. Right, right. So I think like econ is a good place to, if it's a full year economics class, the first semester could be personal finance. Second semester could be econ. Um, And so that way you learn about your own personal finances. And then in economics, you see, okay, global economics takes a lot of those personal finance principles and applies them at larger scales. So, or even business, maybe you take personal finance and then you take business and you say like, just how you need your emergency savings account. If you run a business, you need runway, right? Like Mm -hmm. these concepts apply, um, a lot of across the board, a lot of times, but we're not making the time. And and the argument is very hard right now because politicians are not necessarily um, incentivized to the laws to make a requirement for personal finance, because there's a lot of lobbyists that don't want that. You know what I mean? Like big, the biggest lobbyists in the U S right now are banks and financial corporations and institutions. They, do you think they want us to learn personal finance in school? <laughs> yeah. Hell to the no, no, no. Because if yeah. we learn about this stuff, then we're not going to be as easily preyed upon. They're not exactly. going to be able to do these predatory practices that they've been making them rich all these generations. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to cut that stuff out. So I think there's a combination of factors, but those are probably the biggest ones. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, that there's there's a level of intentionality given how critical it is to people's lives. So it's... There's, I mean, as corrupt as they might be at the top, they're not stupid. They know, they know what they're exactly. doing. Exactly. You know, what of I course. Mean? So, and they're and they're ta- and they're raking in the money while we're out here struggling. And I think the important <laughs> thing is that they realize if we do teach this, yes, it'll help the country across as a whole. But my specific pocket is is right. not going to be lined in a way that I'm used to because you know people aren't going to be lining up to go sign up for a terrible checking account or savings account that charges all these fees and gives you really low interest returns. So, yeah, no. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. You know, I, I had this actual discussion and this, this is clearly, I could go down a rabbit hole with this, but I'll, the last thing I'll say about <laughs> yeah. is, um, you know, she, she talked about sort of uh, the United States in particular, and she kind of compared like just people in, in the lower socioeconomical uh, communities as, as like flowers. And if you don't give a flower, soil, water, and sunlight, right it's just going to die or it's going to wilt or it's not going to do anything. That's right. And it's like, you can't just, you can't just scream at the flower to grow. You know what I mean? Like exactly. there's, there's, an ele- there's an element of um, ambition and personal responsibility, of course, but right. it, it, it's a very, very complex issue. So That's maybe right. we'll, maybe we'll hop on another call and we can chat about that. But <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm like you. I could talk about that stuff all day. That's what all I do. Day, all day long, all day long. But how, how have you been with, um, obviously it's a crazy time right now. Um, a lot of your content and stuff like that obviously is, is remote, but with your business in particular, um, with yeah. school being up in the air, take me sort of sort of through where you're at with all of that. Yeah. So in terms of like my own personal work, um, I mean, it's always been online, which is nice. Like I always post videos. I always post stuff onto social media. So that's been pretty much the same. But the big difference is that the kinds of questions that I'm getting and the kind of like the audience comments, it's very much about coronavirus and the recession right now and what should I do right now and so mm-hmm. I've been really trying to give more inspiration right now and not just feed the negative hysteria about around the you know the the pandemic and so that's that's kind of the shift in, in the pivot that I took is like let me make right. my my content positive because I don't want to keep talking about the negative aspects that's already everywhere on social media and the news so I, I chose to take a very positive uh, spin 
I started the podcast, which is interviewing different people every single week, um, talking mm. about their stories, inspiring stories that other people can hear and say, wow, all right, if they got the, their stuff together, then I can get my stuff together. And then at work, work, like my nine to five, we early on, like in, I would say March, like first or like the last week of February, um, our leadership team decided very right away, like very quickly that we were going to take everything, all the events that we had planned and cancel right. them and move them online to Zoom. So usually my my schedule would be pretty hectic. Like I would be traveling to different states every like couple weeks, every week to do mm -hmm. teacher trainings, like 100 teachers in Connecticut today, tomorrow, 100 teachers in New Jersey, and then 100 teachers in Delaware. And then I come back home. We've just shifted that. Everything's on Zoom now. Everything is just virtual. And what happened is teachers needed to shift too. Like teachers, the school's right. closed and teachers had to teach online. So what we saw was we thought, oh no, like this is going to hurt. Actually, teachers were like running to us in droves and begging us to help them figure out how to teach this stuff online without mm -hmm. being in person in school with their kids. So we actually find ourselves teaching teachers now, not just personal finance content, but also how to use Zoom, <laughs> how, to, mm -hmm. how yeah. to like get the kids into a virtual classroom, how to collect work, how to make sure the kids aren't cheating. Like right. there's so many aspects to teaching on the computer that the teachers have never done this before. Nobody's ever done this before. So we're mm -hmm. there to just kind of support them and coach them through this process. And um, I think it's it's been something that has been really helpful. So we've been growing and thriving as a company, even though a lot of most of the companies around us are struggling through this time. Mm -hmm. um, our company has actually been doing pretty well. That's fantastic. And it's, it's always good to hear you know, opportunity coming out of the darkness, lightness, uh, at the end of the tunnel, et cetera, et cetera. That's so right. That's, 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 right. that's awesome. So for maybe young adults that money isn't as salient in general, but it might be a little bit more right now, given the times, mm -hmm. like, what would you, you know, recommend for them to, to kind of get started? I mean, like, if they've kind of yeah. just been going through the motion sort of thing, you know, that we've got all this time on our hands, what, what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, if you're listening, and you're like under 24, 25, you're, you need to keep doing what you're already doing, which is looking for content. Listen, mm. The fact that you found this podcast and that you're listening to this podcast right now, you're doing so much more than I did when I was that age. Um, mm. I, I just wasn't thinking about it. It was, wasn't on top of mind for me. And right. I thought just living paycheck to paycheck was normal and it was fine. Um, mm. I didn't get around to actually starting to fix my, my money situation until I was like 25, 26. And at that point, I was four or five years away from being 30. So if you could get a, a, a grasp on all the information that you need to know about money in your early 20s, oh my Lord, it makes such a big difference because your 20s and your 30s are two very different decades. Like mm. your 20s is you trying to figure it out. The social pressures and people's opinions still matter to you. Mm -hmm. You still care about stunting on the gram. You still care about what's <laughs> happening on SAP. Like when you're in your 30s, you don't give a crap about any of that. You're just sure. trying to maximize. You're trying to make as much money as you can. You're trying to maximize your net worth. You're trying to buy a house. You're trying like you have different goals. And, yeah. you yeah. know, a lot of times you're trying to pay for a wedding or you're trying to pay for like these things are tens of thousands of dollars. You can't really do that when you're 23, 24. You don't have money. And so yeah. I think if you could get ahead of the game as early as possible, the best thing you can do for yourself is to learn everything there is to know about money. That means mm. understand savings, understand how to pay off debt and put a debt repayment plan in place. If you have debt, mm -hmm. learn about investing, start investing, even if it's $25 a month. Like, right. you, like if you can get in early every single year that you are in 
before someone else means you have such an advantage, um, mm. especially if you read about like compounding, if you read about investing in, you know, in Roth IRAs, like it, 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 there's so many things. I mean, in the US, a Roth IRA is probably like the best thing that a 23, 24 year old can have. Absolutely, but yeah. most 23 or 24 year olds don't, don't have mm. that. So um, yeah, just get as much information as you can. Get on social media and instead of hashtagging, go hashtagging Jordan Life, hashtagging twerk team, hashtag money goals, hashtag yeah. investment yeah. strategy, hashtag <laughs> reach, hashtag Roth IRA, hashtag like, Start learning about that because those are the things that's really going to put you ahead of everybody else. For real, for real. And you know what? It's it's so funny you say that because another reason why I started the podcast is like I find myself in these conversations where I'm I have to catch myself. I'm like, damn, I'm I'm nagging a bit. I, you know, I'm preaching a little bit right now. You know what I mean? And like, as much as like I'm like these people need it, these people, and you know they they do. I I, I don't want to keep harping on them, harping on them. And so like again, I I just wanted to do it through a way where you know. I'll promote it. And if they're interested, they can have a look. And then it's That's like, okay, right. fair enough, fair enough. So it's it's so funny because I I literally, while you're talking about like stunning on the gram, all this stuff, I remember I was at work and um, we, we I was talking about it with a coworker. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? Like, I was just so, I was just ranting, ranting, ranting. And I was like thinking like, like I need to do something about it. Like I, I, yeah. I can't just sit here and complain. Like I'm, I'm yeah. being the thing that I hate the most right now. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? So. That's that's really interesting. So what would you say is is the one thing that sets people apart with respect to their finances? Is it, is it consistency? Is it discipline? Like what what is that that uh, that one thing that really makes the difference? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think people call things different things. People call it discipline, so people call it motivation, consistency. I think they're all describing the same thing, which right. the word I like to use is grit. Mm. You, if you either have grit or you don't. And mm. there's all these tests that have been done since the beginning of time. I mean, there's videos from like the freaking 1950s where you have kids. And oh, actually, they're, they're starting to go viral again, this, this little test where you put, right. um, put fruit snacks in, in, in front of the baby and you walk away and then you see if the baby... T- this is going Delayed viral now. Yeah, yeah. This is so... This is not new. Like this, there was a test a long time ago with kids in a room. They put the, they put a marshmallow in front of the kid. Yeah. They walked out. They closed the door, and then they just record the kid's behavior. Some kids lick the marshmallow, put it back. Some <laughs> kids like some kids like take a tiny little bite that's like barely noticeable, put it back. Some kids just stare at it. Other kids don't even think about the marshmallow. They're just sitting around waiting. They're like, all right, well, yeah. he, he said. And so that is probably to me is the number one indicator. Are you willing to? do whatever it takes to get it done. And for Mm. me, I was not when I was 21. I was not when I was 22. I was not when I was 23. I was still too obsessed with social, uh, my social life. Like that was my number one priority in my life when I was 22 was my social life. I Mm. needed to post onto the gram as soon as I left the party. I needed to, or during the party, live feed from the event. I was just so obsessed with my appearance, what I was wearing. My right. name brands that I had on the shoes, how high the heels were, my makeup, like these uh, super, super, super superficial things that I was being fed from my environment until it finally clicked in my mind. Like, what the hell are the the party or the makeup doing for you mm. in the long term? In the scheme of things, when you are sitting in your house one day somewhere and your little grandkids are running around, do you think you're going to remember the brand of makeup and the size of the shoes and the dress you wore at that party? Right. No, 
But you're going to be so damn grateful for your investment account that allowed you to pay for that house and right. life that you created for yourself and your future generation. So I just realized, that, okay, I am focusing on the whole wrong thing right now. What, what does it matter if I'm popular today, if I'm going to be like struggling financially tomorrow, I'll be a deadbeat in, in 10 mm. years. Like I'm still living with my mom in her house because I can't get like, I have to like being popular today doesn't matter if it means mm. that the, the, the basically like, the, the opportunity cost is what you have yeah. to think about. Like yeah. for me, it was not a good trade-off to be popular today and be a, a hot as mess tomorrow. I'd rather <laughs> be a little bit of a hot mess right now while I'm getting yeah. it together and yeah. be popular tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, and popular, when I say popular, I mean popular with myself. Like yeah, I no, for real. think, I think yeah. I'm the shit. I think I'm the shit. Like, I, and I, yeah. I want to feel that way about myself every day when I wake up for the rest of my life. But if I don't have money to buy a house or to provide for myself, I'm not going to feel like I'm the shit. I'm going to feel like I'm useless and like I can't contribute to society. And I never want to feel like that. I don't want anybody to feel like that. No, no doubt. No doubt. And I, you know, there's this, there's a term or a saying actually where they call people call drinking, um, borrowing happiness from tomorrow, right? Mm, yep. And I and I think that's the same thing with money and and really any sort of gratification. It's it's you're you're, you're literally taking something that isn't yours. <laughs> yep. You're just and you're putting it in the now. And like again, I, I'm I'm all for celebrating, having a good time, letting loose yeah. when the work's done. You know what I mean? Like that's work right. hard, play hard kind of thing. And yes. so like I'm very much with you that um, you know I'm a young guy. I like to have fun, no doubt about it. I'm not going to act like I don't like. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to compromise my future, like you said, to, to, to do that because it's so frivolous. Like, there's, there's no yep. meaning. There's no That's meaning right. popping bottles in the club. There's no meaning, you know, flexing for whatever reason. And uh, uh, yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't know if you follow him. He, he talks yeah. about he talks about that stuff a, a lot. So that's really yeah. cool. That's really I cool. think I think one of the big reasons though too is because of the mentality shift. Like, I did mm. not shift my mentality for a long time. I think most young people, they don't think that far ahead. Like they yeah. really don't think about even next week. I mean, maybe next week because there might be a party <laughs> next week or they might have a date next week. That right, might right. be why, right? But beyond like this year, next year, five years, like they don't think that far because right. they're so obsessed with their current life, their popularity right now, their social life right now, the mm -hmm. clothes they have right now. That is what they're obsessed with, what they just posted. They watch their stories again and again. They rewatch mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is there's an obsession with right now that it's mm -hmm. very hard to think about the future. So when my mentality shift finally happened, it was when I started to realize, like as I got a little older and I started to learn from older people, like seeing social media influencers that were a little older that were in their 30s and 40s. And I was like, oh dang, like okay, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. what's coming. That's what I that's what I gotta look out for. That's what I gotta prepare for. But I had yeah. never had that mentality before. Right. And I think, you know. Uh, I think Gary Vee is a great example of it because he's always telling people, like, look at me. He's like, I'm, I think he's, what, 40, in his 40s already? Yeah, he's like, yeah. hey, he's like, what does it matter? And I just figured it, this stuff out. And I'm mm. still young. And, mm. you know, and so I think that's starting to make people realize, like, oh, wow, I guess I do have to think about when I'm Gary Vee's age, what's my life going to look like? Yeah. And start working towards that now. Right, exactly. And yeah. you know, it's hard. And I, I always, again, I have, I have sympathy because it, it's, it's, it's hard to get past the now. And mm -hmm. it's hard to think about, you know, all those sort of stuff. I mean, you know, there, there's, again, there, there's, a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a push pull, right? You need to be, you need to be thinking about tomorrow, you need to be planning for the future, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. But you also like, 
can't get you can't lose yourself either. You can't you can't just go by life always in the future. You'll you'll never right. live it, right? So exactly, it's this it's this constant struggle, and and so that's why I empathize with with kids my mm-hmm. age around my age. But you got you got you got to do something. Like you yeah, have, you yeah, do something you have to prepare. Tomorrow, right? If you don't plan for tomorrow, tomorrow's gonna come, and you're gonna have nothing in place, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And the other piece of it, which I tend to see because I grew up in a community like what i don't know whatever you want to call it the hood the ghetto whatever mm-hmm. right people like mm-hmm. to call it whatever they want to call it but basically everybody was poor okay we were like that's that's how you i grew up and mm-hmm. what i noticed was when i was really really little my my neighborhood that my parents um that where we lived was really um it was really bad like it was really violent like there were a lot of gangs there was a lot of fights all the time there were gunshots when we were sleeping at night like it was you know it was mm-hmm. a it's a it's a Bushwick Bedsty area of Brooklyn in New York City is was known in the '90s for being a very you know quote unquote unsafe neighborhood, and so mm-hmm. I think when you go to a community like when you grow up in an environment like that, and you're right. let's say 19, 20, 21 year old dude who grew up in that environment. You're thinking to yourself, yo, I don't even know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. I don't even know if I got my life next year. I'm not trying to invest all my money. I'm trying to live for today because I, my homeboy just died. Like, yeah, and, and, and like, I 100% totally get that. But my thing is your homeboy got so, so unfortunate that he was in a situation where he lost his life, but you are still here. And yeah. what if you are still here tomorrow? What if you're still here next year? And what if you are still here in five years and in 10 mm. years? It's going to really suck if yeah. you didn't plan to be here. Like, yeah, why, would you, yeah. why would you assume that you're going to die? Like, you should assume, yeah. what if I live and plan yeah. for the best? Don't plan for the worst. I mean, you, sh- you, could, you should think both situations are equally likely to happen. But let me also plan for both. If mm. I die, whatever I have will be left to my mom, to my dad. They can pay for my funeral. They don't got to struggle and they don't got to worry about me. If I don't die, if I live, my money's set because I've been investing in savings. Either you're way, good. you got it. You're good. You're good. Yeah, and I think I think again, like, kind of just to 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 bring it all together. I think it just comes down to people could live on so much less than they think, right? They oh, they, yes. they don't they don't need all of the things that they have, right? And so it, yeah. once yeah. once once you see that in that kind of go off, like, damn, I really don't need 80, 90 percent of the shit I have. Like, I I do not need. Right. I don't even. Not even need. I don't want it. Like, like after yep. it's kind of out of their out of their um, purview. So it, yeah. it's really interesting, and, and I think that's when that's when the change really starts to happen. It's like, okay, now I actually don't. I don't. Not only do I not need it, I don't even want it anymore. That's and right. So it's. Yep. It's, uh, I think that's the that's the exact step step by step process. I think too that I went through. First, I realized I didn't need to mm-hmm. care about this stuff to to spend money on it, and then as I realized I didn't need it and I stopped doing it, yeah. I just developed the thick skin to be like, oh, let me admit, I, I don't really miss it. I yeah. know it doesn't make a difference. I like yeah. having stacks of stacks of money in my bank account. I like this, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, I can get used to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. For sure. That's for right. Sure. Well, you know, that's all the questions I really have for you. Uh, do you want to just tell the people about where they can find you, your content, your awesome teachings and things like that? Yeah, for sure. So you guys can find me everywhere online. Um, my handle is the same everywhere uh, at Miss Be Helpful. So M I S S B E Helpful. That's literally my YouTube name, my Instagram handle, my Facebook, my Twitter. Everything is Miss Be Helpful. And um, yeah, I mean, I like I, I'm very open. I'm very flexible. Like, reach out, hit me up if you have questions. If you guys want to follow whatever content I'm creating, um, my YouTube videos, the podcast that I put out, any anything, honestly, and. Um, yeah, man. I, and this was so fun. And I actually like just listening to your podcast a couple weeks ago when I found you on Instagram, I was like, 
wait, this kid is mad young. How is like <laughs> how how you have the mindset that I have right now when I'm 30? Like that's impressive. Right. That is I so impressive. That. So I just, yeah, man, I, I was inspired. I was, I was impressed by what you're doing and just keep doing you. Cause I think where the direction where you're heading, it's clear that you're already 20, 50, a hundred steps ahead of most people <laughs> your age in terms of getting that money mindset that you need to have to be successful. I really, really, I really, really appreciate that. And I feel like for me, like, I, I just want to, I just want to take people on this bus together and just, just mm-hmm. go to this, you know, money town together. You know what I mean? That's, 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 right. that's, that's really what it is at the end of the day. But <laughs> thank you thank you so so much and uh we'll see you soon no no problem man it was my pleasure so there you have it was so fun chatting with Yanelli. she is so full of energy she has a lot of experience as you guys heard she's taught personal finance she teaches personal finance to teachers so she knows the stuff inside and out and so to have that perspective to have her on uh she she also has a considerable following online, uh, you know, over 40,000 subscribers on YouTube, tens of thousands on Instagram. That doesn't matter. That stuff doesn't matter. She, she has a big reach, but what really matters is how awesome she is, her energy, her positivity, how she just electrifies. And, you know, it was awesome to have her on. I really learned a lot. I want to bring her back on because I just think she just spits it real, man. She No sugarcoating shit. Like, she just tells it like it is. And so, I hope to bring Yanelli and other people like her on the interview because it's just easy to listen to, man. But yes, thank you so much for tuning in to another interview. I hope you guys are liking them. Please let me know if you are. I just started a new job. Another update. Another sidetrack update. I hope you guys don't mind me just button in here. But I just started a full-time job. And so I'm trying to etch out my schedule. I'm still going to try to post twice a week. I will be posting twice a week on on the podcast. So you got to hold me to that. I just said that into the mic. I'm going to publish this. I'm not going to edit it out. I will be posting twice a week. I'm going to try. I'm going to try for Wednesday, Sunday, but I know that that might not happen. So I'm not going to hold myself to that, but twice a week, keep posting, keep it going, stay active. And I really want to grow this thing, guys. So let's grow together. Take this thing somewhere. Let's keep improving our personal finance lives. I need to come up with like a mantra. Let's keep doing X, but let's just keep making money. Let's just keep saving money. Let's just investing all that stuff, man. Let's do all of it. Love you guys. Hope you're keeping well and hope you're staying safe with these times. Love you guys again. (laughs) All right. I'm out this mother. Peace. Peace.